welcome to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us today. Decluttering and minimalism are big buzzwords in our culture today, and January certainly feels like an ideal time to embrace these new habits. Today, we are talking about taking back control over the things in our life. The clothes, the books, the tchotchkes, you know, the stuff in our houses that seem to clutter out the people living inside them. What can be done about this? And how do different methods of decluttering compare to one another? We'll take a closer look at all of this in this episode. But first, Lindsay has our etiquette tip of the week, and we're continuing our historic look at the importance and use of gloves. So this is, I went deep. I went deep, everybody, into gloves this week. And we're going to talk about still the opera style glove because there's most uh, most of the literature is written about the opera glove, which is also known as the mousquetaire glove. That word is everywhere. It, it's derived from the French word for musketeer, and it, those gloves were kind of based on the style of gloves that the musketeers would have worn. So the mousquetaire glove is typically 16 to 22 inches long, and when it hit a woman's mid bicep, or it would go up even higher. And what is so fascinating, okay, there's a couple points. In order to put this glove on, it would take, and they put actually hours, like it would take hours <laughs> to get this glove on. I don't know if they were exaggerating, but they said hours. And it was done privately at home because you would buy gloves that were one size too small for you. You would have to use powdered alum, which I think is like a talcum powder, uh, and a button hook. And you would have to force your large hand into the tiny glove. And it would be so tight that your hand would take on like a half moon cupped shape. And that would be like this delicate look. Now, one more thing I want to say too, is we we kept talking about why we thought people wore gloves. And so, yes, obviously it was for modesty and that sort of thing. But I learned that in Japan, and I don't see why this is any different in Europe. Um, you know, as we all know, if you were tanned, during most of history, it showed that you had to work outside and that you were not of a certain class. And so the same thing is true in Japan. And I, again, I think in Europe as well, that your, if your hands showed that you were tanned, uh, it, it, it didn't show that you were of the class that you wanted to be in. And so women wore bonnets to protect their faces from the sun and also gloves to protect their hands from the sun. So I know that was a lot of information. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, but so fascinating. Like who knew? I know this I, secret history of gloves. <laughs> I have just I honestly was like reading about them for an hour this morning because I had no idea about these mousquetaires. Right. And I didn't realize like that whole um, idea of buying the size smaller or mm -hmm. a size or two smaller because you do see in Victorian pictures and in those illustrations or portraits where women are wearing gloves, they do have a cupped hand. Yes, like yep. a slight half moon shape. And you just thought that's, they did that on purpose, yep. you know, to appear dramatic, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the small fragility of a female hand. And so it was actually very awkward to even shake a hand like that because of the 
position it was forced into. So the woman Mm -hmm. would kind of, they said, wing-like. She'd kind of extend her arm out, bent at the elbow a little bit wing-like, and just kind of put out her cupped little hand. Just very dainty. Oh, that's so interesting. But also, oh, I do want to mention about that class, the class system thing about not Mm -hmm. wanting to be so tanned. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense, too, with the bonnets and the gloves to prevent the sun. So much to unpack. Yes. Today, we are deep diving the topic of decluttering, that joyful, exciting chore that none of us just can't wait to undertake. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> right, Lindsay? Yes. So I think, <laughs> Michelle, if, if 2019 could already be summed up in just two words, I really think those two words could be Marie Kondo, right? Like oh, everyone, yes. <laughs> everyone on my social media, and I'm sure on yours, mm-hmm. um, seems to be folding their clothing into tiny rectangles right now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I um, So I watched the first episode of the show this morning to prepare for this episode. Um, but the only thing I had been hearing about Marie Kondo in the year, the years past has been how to fold your clothes. Right. So like tried rolling my shirts, but that's about as far as I've gotten. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I feel like with words and terms like minimalism and living simply and decluttering and, you know, the organization boom being on everybody's lips, I feel like it's time you and I really talked about this. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts. And I think that we need to be aware that quote, minimalism is just another thing. It's becoming another thing that we can buy, right? It's another thing that's Mm. actually being marketed to us. So with minimalism, we're buying books on minimalism and magazines on minimalism. (laughs) And then we're buying storage containers and label makers. And and it's become a massive business. I actually looked this up. So by 2020, the home organization market will be an industry worth $10.3 million dollars. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea that I knew it was a lucrative business because you see it everywhere, but not to that extent. Right. And so then I'm like, are we just being duped? Like, you know, I feel like we're always just being roped into whatever new trend it is. Um, Mm. You know, but I really think like doing a massive purge and taking multiple trips to the Goodwill or to the dump if things really can't be sold or reused, um, refolding on our clothes, these these are good things. But Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's kind of like going on a juice cleanse. And of course, you're going to lose a few pounds and you're going to gain a few nutrients. But you know what? You're going to gain it all back if you don't identify the root cause of why you mm-hmm. kind of bought all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I um, have been decluttering for a couple of years now and have only just forced myself to keep that point in mind of right. like, there's no point in always decluttering. I feel like it's been going on forever. And yeah. it's because I have not started the second part of decluttering where I stop to consider what am I bringing into the house? Right. Right. Yes. You almost have to declutter um, at the store in your right. mind first. It's so, there's so many steps. And that's why I feel like if people are really going to jump into this, it isn't just folding your clothes and it isn't just doing those few trips to the dump. Um, I have a quote here from somebody named Leo Babuta, I think. Uh, He's a father of six and he's a good friend of, you know, the minimalists. They have that documentary Mm -hmm. on Netflix and a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, he has six kids. So he gets us, right? But he says (laughs) minimalism is to live simply without too many possessions, distractions, clutter, or waste. You want to live frugally, debt-free, sustainably, and naturally. So there's so much more here than just 
getting rid of the extra clothes or the old maternity clothes that you need, need anymore. And like you and I are saying, like there's this whole other level of making responsible decisions then about what comes into the house afterwards. Right. And it, that goes along with what I always read on um, Joshua Becker's uh, Facebook page. He is the founder of um, Becoming Minimalist. Oh. And he has a couple of books out as well. I've been following him for a few years. He has a blog, a few successful courses. Um, and he that's the point he's always trying to drive home. It's, mm. it's that your things do cost. They do have a cost even yeah. after you buy them. They cost you in time and in energy to maintain them. And so, uh, you know, where do you want to invest your time? If you can't, you don't have enough time to invest it in people and in your things. So one of those things will ultimately go. And right. uh, you'll have to make an intentional decision about which of those two things uh will take priority. Yes. And the mental space it takes up as well. Like I'm just sitting here and I think about us all trying to do these purges and, and step back and look at how we're organizing, organizing our houses. And it feels like we just saw Black Friday sales happening and like those horrific videos of the lineups of people pouring into stores and literally mm-hmm. fighting each other for items. And then you can't drive through any city or town without seeing spent uh, storage rental places everywhere like there's this huge huge disconnect here like with our consumption we want to buy all the things and then we also want to get rid of all of the things at the same time right right and also too society kind of um or our lifestyle and our culture kind of sets us up for that right so an example of that um Right, because I would not necessarily need to buy a new phone every two mm. years. And <laughs> if my mom is listening, which she will, and um, <laughs> Phil is listening, uh, they'll laugh because it has been just the last three weeks I have just been so angry mm. at the fact that I've needed to get a new phone this Christmas. And uh, because my old one just died. Mm. Right. How, old, and how long did you have it for? It was only about two and a half years, but Mm. I read one article a while ago that, you know, phones are now being kind of designed and manufactured to start dying after a couple of years so that you do have to go buy a new one. And I was aware of this. So yes, at about two years old, my phone started to be slower and less efficient, but I thought, I refuse. I refuse to play this game. And I held out as long as I could until I was talking to my mom one day on the phone and had to call her back three times because the call dropped and it wasn't reception or anything. And she's like, maybe you should get a new phone now. And I was so upset in that moment with the culture because I was like, here I am trying to live intentionally and not buy more clutter, more things, because it's also hard to get rid of electronics. So I find Mm -hmm. mine just kind of pile up um, unless there's a clear place for them to go. And yeah, we have the greatest intentions sometimes, and it is so hard to fight against the, the consumerism that is in our lives every day. You're so right. I um, Our TV, so we bought our TV five years ago, and it was 
I, I hate to say this, it was almost $4,000 by the time we bought the proper cords to go with it. Um, the sound, the sound bar that needed to go with it, that has the subwoofer. And mm. we had a set amount of money from the equity of the sale of our last house when we were buying this new house and we were coming from an old 22 inch tube TV. And so we were finally upgrading to like a flat screen TV at that time. So my brother who worked at Best Buy at the time was like, this is the best TV we have. It's 3D, which we used once, the 3D aspect. Oh, oh 3D and TV. I didn't even yeah, know they made those. We have one. So if you'd oh. like to watch like a Disney movie in 3D, it is pretty Great. spectacular. Like it really is. Oh. But we, but like I said, we've used the 3D aspect once or twice. Uh, he sold it to us by saying to my husband, you know, you can play video games in 3D. And my husband's like, done. But and now, honestly, my husband isn't a gamer. But just that suggestion yeah. was really, really cool. Now, my issue with this TV is two no, yeah, two and a half, three years after buying it. So it's a quote smart TV and it comes with all of those apps. YouTube stopped working on it and YouTube and I found that app developers don't continue giving updates to smart TVs past a certain threshold because it doesn't make sense for their oh. business to keep developing updates. And so right. your smart TV really is only smart for a couple of years. And so YouTube was what I used our TV most for with homeschooling because I could throw documentaries mm -hmm. from my phone right onto the TV. So we lost YouTube. Then we canceled cable. And so then we were just using our smart TV for Netflix. I'm like, really? Four grand to watch Netflix when I watch mm. it on my laptop? And I will never spend that on a TV again. But they, it's going to last five years. Really? Like, what kind of investment is that? So I hear you. They, they, they make you think you need to have it right then and there. And then they make it completely obsolete within a couple of years. Right. And they also, uh, the culture also really plays up um, how much easier it would be. It's all about temptation, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll also tempt you into thinking that um, you don't have to deal with your clutter. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. And I think about the storage units, yes. right? Um, we have used a storage unit. We used oh. it uh, um, when we were moving, yeah. right, to stage the house. Yeah. And I remember thinking even then, like I could see the practicality because we had a lot of babies at that time. Yeah. <laughs> the twins were babies. Our oldest was still a toddler herself. So there was a lot of equipment that we yeah. could just kind of put away while we were showing the house. Um, and then we canceled um, the membership once we moved in. But a, a couple years later, you know, the question came up again. We started having so much clutter. Phil and I would talk about, should we get a storage unit? And I just kept saying, I'm like, I just don't feel right about this. Right. I don't feel right about this. Um, if there was a reason, absolutely, I would be open. Um, but f just for living, I was like, maybe the answer, maybe that's not the answer we should jump to. Maybe we should take a look at what is in our house. What are we holding in here? But it is like, it, it's so easy to just walk in and say, you know, sign a few papers and then you have extra square footage. Yes. So you don't need to get rid of your stuff. You just add more space. I read something so sad about storage facilities this morning that said, why are we giving the food dehydrator that we bought on a whim to dehydrate fruit a more climate controlled, safe place to sleep than the people who are sleeping on the streets? Why are we giving oh, the things wow. that we bought that we don't need these spaces that people need? Like, it's just, it really went, oh my gosh, like I wow. realized what a first world problem uh, this is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I... I think that like doing the massive purge um, is just kind of addressing the symptoms, like we we're saying, and not really the the main issue. And right. it's 
it's hard work to face the real issues. And I think whether we like it or not, there is a spiritual side to this. And I was looking up Marie Kondo and how she greets the house. And I was on Reddit. I love Reddit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and a lot there was actually quite a few Japanese people who said, and this is their words, not mine, that they said that this, quote, mysterious Asia approach is like she's hamming it up and that us Westerners eat this up and we're <laughs> like falling for it hook, line, and sinker. They said our houses don't look like that in Japan um, and like the whole idea of greeting the houses. So we're just like totally buying into all this. And you can see that on people's faces as she comes in and greets their houses. And so mm-hmm. I think that you and I wouldn't agree with greeting our houses and thanking our items. Rather, Mm -hmm. we would like greet the people within it and thank God for the blessings in it. Um, And as for quote, like greeting the home, it reminds me of when Oprah told her viewers a couple of like years ago, she says that your house should rise up to greet you when you come in. And I like, that was such a catchy phrase. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about that. And I kind of have two thoughts on that. And that the first is that, yeah, the people in your home <laughs> should rise up to greet you. Right. But then I thought I did actually live completely alone without roommates or anything for a year before I got married. Best thing I ever did. Um, And I did come home to an empty house every day. And not all of our listeners do come home to a family. And so the house in that sense does have a different purpose to fulfill. But what I think this means then is that our homes should be an authentic representation of the people, um, singular or plural, that live there. And so it should be warm and welcoming and well curated so what are your thoughts on the greeting the home thing that Marie Kondo does yeah I kind of laughed um at that first episode where she knelt on their the family's floor in the living room and they were sitting in the armchairs and she's yeah. like I'm just gonna take a moment to thank your house yeah and they're like huh <laughs> especially the dad's face <laughs> yes yeah I was laughing um but you know what uh, I watched that and by the end of that segment I thought I know what our uh, equivalent of that would be, though. Mm. And it would be exactly what you're saying. It's that attitude of gratitude, right? Right. Because the the man said afterwards, he's like, you know, I have never thought that thought before that, you know, this house has been good to us yes. and not like in a personified kind of way. But yeah, you get to live here. Yes. Uh, you know, and your life happens here. Isn't that an incredible thing? And yes. so when that shifts. I know when when my house gets very clu- cluttered, I can start to be very angry at the house. Yes, <laughs> yes, right. And it is um, it's it, it's doesn't work because it is an inanimate object, and we yeah. personify it even in our head. So, uh, I know that we don't um talk to our things the way she kind of like you said probably hams it up, and yeah. I probably won't think every individual t-shirt of mine for yep. clothing me. Um, but I think at the heart of the matter, um, being able to look at the things that you have and say, wow, uh, I'm so grateful that I have been um, able to use this thing uh, kind of gives you a different mentality because if its usefulness is is done for you, then you can still see like this is something, not someone. Yeah. And it's not a part of who I I am as a person, I can now pass it on to someone else that could maybe find it useful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first watched the show, I thought that her approach was more about organizing like versus minimalism. And I think a lot of people are going to jump on the the minimalism bandwagon, but it's not actually minimalism because I felt Mm -hmm. like she was having them get rid of a lot of stuff, but those houses were still 
full of stuff. So it, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's really minimalism. But then I right. read her book and the book is very different than the show. And I felt like this is why I was underwhelmed with the show a bit because I felt like I wasn't learning really anything from the show. So the book is actually quite a bit better. But she says in the book, and this is a quote, um, she says, I can honestly declare that storage methods do not solve the problem of how to get rid of clutter. In the end, they're only a superficial answer. And then she says, putting things away creates the illusion that the clutter problem has been solved. So I like that she Mm -hmm. clarified this because it didn't Mm -hmm. feel very clear in the show. Like she just kept putting their stuff into bins and not really, you know, so... I think that we, if, you know, you and I, if we start to do this and our listeners have to be very clear with, we're just creating the illusion that we're kind of solving this problem again without going deeper. Right. And that's actually one thing that um, Joshua Becker says on Becoming Minimalist. Um, He says all the time, he's like, don't buy more bins, get rid of more stuff. And there is a line, a line that you can kind of cross there. Um, You do sometimes need bins. Um, But what I was... When I was watching that part of the show, I do agree. And what I think I took from that is she was kind of teaching them yeah. a method for sure, um, exposing them to a different way of thinking of their things. It's hard. I don't know how long they give each family to produce this show, but it must be a real hard, a really jarring mental switch <laughs> for yeah. them. I wonder if she was kind of giving them the first step. And so she was less um, harsh on the just get rid of it mm. and more taking on like an encouraging like, oh, this is great. Like yeah. <laughs> she seemed like you said um, when we <laughs> talked about this show before, like she's so cute. I just want to yeah. like put her in my pocket and take her home. Absolutely yes. right. <laughs> she's yes. adorable. I'd um, like a pocket Marie Kondo. Yeah. Oh just to hold gosh. her in my hand and be like, oh, how are you today? Little pocket Marie Kondo. <laughs> no, that's marketable. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I took from it too. Because I was also wondering when the minimalism was going to start. But right. um, for these people, maybe that initial clean sweep of your house, maybe that's enough <laughs> right. for the amount right. of time the show can take up. Right. And mm-hmm. um, you had made a great point when we were talking earlier that I, I think it would have made a better documentary, right, than, yes. than all these episodes. I think they could have really mm-hmm. done an awesome, awesome documentary on this. So I, oh, yeah. again, I'm a little overwhelmed, underwhelmed by the show. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about how she does one category at a time versus going room by room. So I know you've only watched the one episode. So, but you know how she has them take all their clothes, right? From like everywhere in the house and put them on the bed. And at first I thought this was really overwhelming when I think about my house, like trying to find every pencil and every pen in the whole Mm -hmm. house and bring them together. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that she is correct in the long run. I think that we're bound to forget things that are in the same category if we go room by room. Um, so I, that was one of the things I think I will actually employ in my house. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very funny because when we're, you brought up that topic, my mind immediately went to pens and pencils yes. as well. Yes. <laughs> I think I would almost be okay with doing my clothes that way, even my books that way, but probably because I already kind of keep them in one place <laughs> or yeah. not quite so many. But yeah, those things that spread out. Also toys. So yes. I'm currently decluttering our playrooms. 
um, and just kind of organizing what things have we outgrown, um, putting puzzle pieces back in their box so we can do the puzzles, that type of thing. And I did have the thought we have two different play areas, one upstairs, one downstairs, because my kids are young and they prefer to stay with me. So we tend to keep toys everywhere that I might be. And I just had the thought, I'm like, it almost seems like a hamster wheel mm-hmm. uh, trying to do this when I know there's another playroom downstairs. I don't actually remember what's downstairs and what right. I should keep upstairs. So I agree. I think that um, for certain things that would absolutely be more efficient. And, and that just depends on what kinds of things you're going through in your house. Yes. And I want to talk about sparking joy. So um because that's a huge part. And I've read some of her Sparking Joy book, which came out after. Um, So, okay. From what I understand is you're not supposed to do this for other people's belongings in your house. You're only supposed to do this for your own belongings. So I get that. But I mean, Marie Kondo is not a Catholic homeschooling mom with lots Mm. and lots of kids. So there's no way, there's no way that you or I or a lot of our friends could gather all of our children together and all of those items from the entire house and ask each kid to hold each item and ask if that sparks joy like it's just <laughs> completely not going to happen right. um, and it's hard for me to reconcile from from you know our spiritual perspective because we aren't supposed to rely on earthly goods for joy mm-hmm. can they provide joy absolutely they can but there's kind of this weird gray area for us so I think for me the question is does this item serve God's purpose in our family does it mm help me in my vocation for this family. So like a homeschool family with seven kids needs capital letters, like needs items that aren't going to spark joy. It's just not Mm going to happen, but they, they will help in the mother's vocation or, you know, in the father's vocation to help raise their children. So I feel like sometimes while there's some merit in that idea, uh, I feel that we can get lost kind of in this new age unicorn sparkly nonsensical jargon (laughs) yeah so sparking joy and and for every person in your house that is the challenge for big Mm -hmm. for family life in general not even necessarily big families because you have people who uh really put importance on different things than you do right so even in our family um I, I tease Phil all the time and he knows that I, I really do encourage his hobbies and everything like that. But his hobby happens to be biking. Mm. Right. And uh, so he has a few bikes in our garage yeah. and they do take up uh, more space than obviously if he just had one. And um, that's something that for me, biking does not rank very high at all in sparking <laughs> joy. Spark joy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Does it spark, spark other emotions? Yeah. <laughs> That's spark right. a little irritation. <laughs> but, but for him, it does, right? right. So it, it would be so unfair of me to insist that he got rid of those. My daughter has a drawer that's filled with things that when I look at it, I just see junk. Yeah. <laughs> but they're her treasures. You know what I mean? And so I can't just go in there and like empty her drawer and throw it away. Yeah. 
So be prepared because girls at that age are like mini hoarders. And (laughs) my daughter Charlotte went through it and I am so not a hoarder. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't understand. And then I took to social media and asked my friends at that time with her being my first child. And they were like, yep, every single one of them who had an oldest daughter went through that hoarding phase. Charlotte is out of it now. But she, we did have to sit down and she had to learn because it is a learned skill, which is why so many adults are having trouble getting rid of stuff because they haven't learned that skill of evaluating if something is worth it to you. And you know what? That actually leads into perfectly something else I was going to say that Marie Kondo talks about, which is value. She she does break things mm. down into four categories of value. Mm-hmm. And so there's functional value, informational value, emotional value, and rarity. Like, could you replace it or is it super rare? Mm. And I think that it's a really great tool for us to learn how to look at our belongings and try to identify why we think it's valuable to us. And so it's, again, it's a skill set. It's something we should teach our kids to look at that. And I love too, that she actually says that again, this is all from the book and I found it so much better than the show, but she says that, um, our focus should be on what we want to keep rather than what we want to get rid of. And those are actually two different modes of thought. Why is it important to keep this versus why should we get rid of that? And teaching our kids that I think would be a really good skill and say, okay, you tell me why you want to keep this. Mm -hmm. That's a different argument. Oh, I really like that. I like that a lot. Because the one thing that I was thinking about uh, gratitude, uh, Mm -hmm. when we were talking about that was, you actually can't see and be grateful for things, and therefore value them and take care of them as a valued item. If you or if you can't see them. Yeah, what I was going to say, right? So if you have so much stuff that you can't even see the forest for the trees, (laughs) what's going on in your closet? How could you say what is valuable in that closet in any of those categories? Like what's, what's functional? What's practical? I don't know. I don't know what fits me anymore. <laughs> like yeah. what's a rarity? I don't know. You know, my, um, the scarves that my grandma passed down to me and they're really valuable. They're kind of somewhere crumpled up in a corner. I, I can't right. see them. And right. so it, decluttering is also a way of renewing the value of things so that you can be grateful and use them. I think you bring up a great point. We just ran into a man at, at the antique store. My husband and I were there and we got talking with him and him and his wife had lost all of their parents. They were, he was in his maybe early 60s and they just lost all of the parents in the last year or two. So they inherited all of their houses and all of mm. their antiques and everything. And so here, just like you're saying with your grandmother's scarves, we think we're honoring these items by taking them into our home. But when we're just piling up these items and not actually taking care of them. We're not honoring them at all. We're doing them a massive disservice. Mm -hmm. And so it's all this mind game. So I think that you're right. As we go through and decide what we're keeping, why it has value to us, then it does become a treasured item again. And then everything should have a place. Yeah. And just uh, one side note, uh, I don't actually have my grandma's scarves. To crumple oh, up you in don't. A corner. Um, I just, I have to say that just in case my family's listening and they're like, oh my goodness, you have grandma's scarves in a corner. I do not. I do not. It was just an illustration. Okay. They sounded lovely. <laughs> well, you know, my grandma has beautiful scarves. And if I am so fortunate as to inherit any of her scarves, I would treat them with the utmost respect. They'd be highly what? valued in my closet. <laughs> Why do I feel like you're actually going to be delivered some of those scarves now in the next couple of weeks. 
awesome. I would be so happy with them. But yes, um, yeah. Disclaimer, mom. <laughs> They're not Perfect. in the That's corner. Hilarious. You know what? We could talk for hours. I feel like about decluttering and mm -hmm. um, minimalism in our homes and in our lives. So why don't we end it for here today? And let's do a part two next week. Can we do that? Yes. yes yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Because we have like I don't know about you, but I still have tons of things <laughs> that I want to say. So, okay, great. Next week uh, we will continue with part two of decluttering. All right, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week feature. Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, as you know, I had a bad week. I had the stomach flu, mm -hmm. and so that really limited. I was barely yeah. reading, which says to the world how mm -hmm. bad, how wow. sick I was. And, you know, I was really looking forward to last week because although I was sad that my husband was gone on work for the week, I also look forward to that because I can watch all the movies he never wants to watch. And I thought, okay, it's going to be my girly week. I'm going to have cookies and watch these cheesy girly movies. And uh, and instead, I went to bed at 8 o'clock every single night with oh. the kids. Oh, no. So I barely did watch or read anything. But there was one show we did watch when my husband was home on the weekend. And it's um, on Netflix. And it's called Fake or Fortune, which is co-hosted hmm. by uh, – British journalist, uh, I call her British journalist extraordinaire, Fiona Bruce. I adore her. I want to be Fiona Bruce when I grow up. She also, you might have seen her hosting Antiques Roadshow. She hosted one of my favorite documentaries on the Queen's Royal Palaces. Anyway, she's phenomenal. And so they uh, they basically are presented with a piece of artwork or two belonging to a private person's collection and they they don't exactly have the provenance on that artwork and they need to discover if it is indeed an authentic piece of art by the artist or if it was a fake um and and done later and then so i mean you're talking mm. five hundred thousand pounds worth of art um on each episode that often needs to be sold to like for charity purposes or like to fix the roof on a old building that kind of thing so mm -hmm. it's fascinating and that led me down a rabbit hole of restoration of old works of art, which there's great videos on YouTube of that. And so that um, I think that that was pretty much the only thing I, I got into over this last week. What about you? What have you been loving? Well, we have also been loving a new TV show. Um, I actually discovered this before Christmas, but with the holiday rush, have not been able to get into it until now. Um, and that show is The Good Doctor. And it's actually an ABC show, but CTV has picked it up for those in Canada. And um, we're watching season one right now on DVD. It is so good. It's like a, it's like the medical drama without the personal drama on the side, mm, at least mm. for now. <laughs> I know that Grey's Anatomy was kind of that way in the beginning as well. And then it just kind of forgot that it was supposed to be practicing medicine. Um <laughs> But this show, it what makes it interesting is that the doctor, and it's produced by Freddie Highmore, and he stars in the lead role, but he is a doctor who has high-functioning autism. He's hmm. a surgeon, right? And so it, it is fascinating to see, you know, this hospital really goes to bat for him um, to be on staff. Uh, and he is a genius. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, but it's so interesting to see how he interacts with people. They deal with a lot of heavy subject matter, um, things that you watch and you're like, oh, I don't know what I think in this situation. Or mm -hmm. you might read about a situation, but it's so different. They do such a good job of bringing emotion into it. Emotion always makes things 
uh, so much harder to just decipher and, and to um, discern what the right thing to do is, right? So, I mean, when we watch episodes, they're um, 45 minutes without the commercials, but it feels like 15 minutes tops. <laughs> so the time just flies. It's a great show. It's, uh, again, called The Good Doctor, and it is on ABC or CTV, or the first season is out on DVD, so you can probably rent it off of iTunes or anywhere you get your shows. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. How can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook at The Modern Lady Podcast, and we highly recommend them following us on there because if you do, you would have seen our great live video we did this week sharing. We are experts, right, Michelle? Beauty Mm -hmm. experts. Oh, yeah. Sharing our beauty tips and our daily routines, and we do aspire to do a live video at least um, once a month together and hopefully some separately. Uh, So definitely pop by our Facebook page. Give it a like so you can stay up to date there. You can find us on Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. You can find Michelle at M-M-Sachs, S-A-C-H-S, and I'm at Linny Autumn, L-I-N-N-I-E-A-U-T-U-M-N. Always that middle name, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Mm -hmm.